with you today on this Palm Sunday. Uh, so Palm Sunday, as I'm sure you know, it's the kind of the recognition of the day Jesus entered Jerusalem. And realize kind of all the way people felt about that time. You had people that were really excited that Jesus was there. You had Jesus knowing that by going, that he was probably going to be arrested or at least uh, attacked in some way. You had the, uh, the disciples that were traveling with him and they didn't want him to go. I mean, he, they were really clear to go, don't do it. And uh, as Jesus entered town, people celebrated him. They took the palm fronds, they, they laid them out, they laid their cloaks, they, they stood. It basically was like a parade for one man to enter town. And uh, it starts for us this week, often called Holy Week, uh, where we really look at the events of uh, the week leading up to Good Friday, the cross, and then Easter and Resurrection Sunday. And uh, so I won't talk a lot about it, but, but be thinking this week in preparation for Easter of what that really means. That, that that week as Jesus was teaching, he took a lot of time to make sure he got things across that people needed to hear and learn. And so as you're, you're reading through scripture this week, maybe take some time to read through some of those teachings that Jesus shared. Uh, I'm actually finishing up uh, my uh, series, the, the Reason for Your Hope. And uh, this right out of First uh, Peter, always be prepared to give a reason, a defense, an apology for the hope that you have. And we've, we've looked at uh, uh, two different things so far that uh, we have hope because God loves us. Uh, then last week it was we have hope because it just makes sense, specifically looking at uh, the general revelation that, that the universe is fine-tuned to, to life for us and uh, that uh, the universe has a beginning and therefore it began and had a, a cause for its beginning and that cause being, being God. And so today we're going to look at uh, an essential. And, and here's why it's really important that we understand the essentialness of, I don't know if that's a word, essentialness. I'm going with it though. Uh, how truly essential it is to not just uh, believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God who died on the cross for our sins and then go off and do your own thing as a Christian, that, that Christianity is always, our faith is always defined and developed and grows within the church. That's essential to our faith. It's not, well, you could just be a Christian on your own or you could be a Christian at church. You can't separate uh, being a Christian from church. I tell my, my students uh, that, uh, in fact, I tell them multiple times every semester 
both in person. I send out emails. Attendance matters. And, and, and some of them get it right away. They're like, I have to be there every time the class meets. And then some of them don't. There are students that, that I haven't seen in weeks. And uh, we've got a little over two weeks until our semester ends. So you could imagine what that means for their grade. There is a, a high correlation between attendance and passing the class. Between attendance and getting a good grade in the class. The correlation coefficient isn't one, but it's really close. Uh, church, church attendance, worship service attendance, it matters. Right? Being here, being together matters. Now, it's not like my class, right? You didn't, when you showed up and you got your name badge, you didn't have to scan the QR code and fill out uh, the Google form so that I knew you were there. Uh, nobody's taking attendance today. But the benefit is not in the grade. Being here and being a part of what's going on, I don't just mean you get the benefit of hearing my voice. Right? There are so many better things than that. But it's important to be in church, to be with God's people. Uh, surveys have long shown that religious believers in the United States are happier, healthier, longer lived, more generous to charity and to each other than secular that's a benefit to being a part of church. The correlation between regular church going and multiple mental and physical health benefits has become very well established. In 2016, a Harvard researcher, professor of uh, did a study, actually uh, then co-wrote an op-ed in USA Today uh, with the journalist. His, by the way, his, uh, the researcher is Tyler Vander, Vanderweel and the journalist John uh, Sinniff. They wrote an article titled, Religion May Be a Miracle Drug in USA Today. And in that they said, if one could conceive of a single elixir to improve the physical and mental health of millions of Americans at no personal cost. What value would our society place on that? Right? Having this idea that if, that if there was one thing you could do, it didn't cost you anything. Now, I think that was people who didn't understand church at all because I think church does cost. You didn't have to get a ticket to be here. But there is a cost. Uh, but if there was no cost, what would people give for that miracle uh, elixir? They went on to outline the multiple mental, physical health benefits correlated to attending church once a week or, or more times in a week, including reducing the mortality by 20%. Wow. Wow. By the way, it's 20 to 30%, so uh, over a 15-year period. period. Uh, in a 2018 Pew Research 
uh, why people go to church. 81% said to be closer to God. 69% said so my children will have a moral foundation. 68% said to be a better person. 66% said for the comfort when things are tough. Uh, these are people who attend church regularly said, there's a reason that I go. And so the reason for my hope as I go through life, if I interact with other people, right? The reason that I'm a part of the, the community of faith, right? Why does that impact my life? Well, in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, the writer of Hebrews says, and let us consider how to stir one another up toward love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. He says, look, here's what we do as a church. We meet together and we stir up one another. That's, that's a different kind of stirring that you often see maybe on social media when people stir up like contention. They stir up animosity, right? That's where uh, they're often called trolls on social media. It's not that kind of stirring. The kind of stirring we're talking about is what uh, the writer says, to stir one another up toward love and good deeds, right? That's part of what church is about, that we ought to be encouraging one another, stirring each other up and, and going, hey, let's get to it. There's something we're to be about. And we do that by continuing to meet together. When church meets together, we, we worship, we submit to leadership. The center of our worship is the preaching of God's word and it's life-changing power. Right? It's not an accident that so much of our time when we're together is around God's word. Right? It is so much not about my words, or maybe if you're sitting in a Bible study and you go, wow, that teacher really, really said something. No, it's that God's word really said something. That's the key. So the church then, by the way, this is number one, the church is a source of encouragement. The reason that I have hope is that church is a source of encouragement. In, in 1996, Christian Schwartz published his study on why churches grow. And, and that was the whole point of it was he, he did a survey of thousands of churches across the country and he collected the data and he compiled it all and he wrote his report. This is what was for his uh, uh, dissertation. And he, when he compiled it, he's like, wow, I've got something here. He ended up publishing it. He published his report uh, entitled Natural Church Development. He defined eight characteristics that growing churches tended to have in common. Characteristics like empowering leadership, 
functional structures, gift-oriented ministry, loving relationships. But, but the thing that got my attention, and it's, and it's the thing that, that as a pastor, as interacting with churches, I always go back to. Every single church that was growing, that was reaching the community for Christ, there was one defining characteristic of every single one of them. The people in the survey said that they went to church because it was encouraging. Or they might have used the word inspiring. That means they, they, they were in church with people, they worshiped, they heard a message. And when they left, they walked away going, I am inspired to be more like Jesus. I am more encouraged in my faith. I, I want to be more like Jesus every day. That's the point of what church is, is we're to, to encourage and inspire one another toward Christ-likeness. In Acts 2, uh, verse 42, the first century church, after, after this is, of course, after Easter, after the resurrection, and Jesus spent 40 days spending time with the believers, and then it says that, uh, that he ascended into heaven, and now you're left with, well, the apostles going, okay, guys, let's do this. Let's, let's be the church that, that he's now uh, entrusted to us. And here's what they did. Starting in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling the possessions and belongings just distributing the proceeds to all in any as any had need and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved this often is a place I go to when I say, what do we do as a church? What is our, our purpose? And, and there's some keys that you could pull out of this passage and say, here's what we need to do. And, and, and any time when I talk to someone, they go, you know, I'm just not really happy with church. Then I, these are the things that I look to. Are you participating in these things? Because this is what the church is. Right? There's the teaching, the apostles' teaching. Now, we have the apostles' teaching because it's God's word, right? The majority of it is what the apostles taught to the first century. And so we have that same benefit today. And to fellowship. Fellowship isn't when we gather at an event we call a fellowship, right? Okay, we're going to have a fellowship after the service today. Well, that's fine to call it that, but just realize it's not fellowship because you called it fellowship. It's what you hope will happen during that time. Fellowship is, is being a part of each other's lives. The spurring one another on, encouraging them toward love and good deeds, that's fellowship. A friend of mine, he, he tells his church that it's doing life together. 
And so when he talks to people, talks to his leaders, he often says, how are you doing life with the people in our church? Right? You're doing life with them. And that means that, that when you've got free time, you need to be on the phone. You need to be over at their house. You need to be spending time with them. You, you can't do it all the time, but, but you need to be doing some of it because we do life together. And, and so if you're kind of looking at it going, okay, that's something I could do more, then work on that. And I have, I have to tell you, not that I don't want to uh, do life with people at church, but I'm not very good at this, right? I don't plan ahead very well. And so maybe you're like, that's, I could probably do more. Well, then, then think about the people that won't initiate this. Try and help them out. Invite them to lunch. Call them up. See if you can meet for coffee. Ask them how you can pray for them. That's how you will begin to do fellowship together. I guarantee by doing that, you will strengthen relationships, you will strengthen the church, and this church will reach the community better. Guaranteed. He says that, that, you know, they broke bread together. They prayed together. Now, now there was other things going on. It says they were selling possessions and sharing. By the way, that's not a, a... that's not in the description of the church is that you have to sell everything you have. It is that as people have need, you care for each other. You help each other out. And it becomes easy to do in fellowship. Because once you know what the need is, it's easy to help. My wife had shoulder surgery a few weeks ago. And uh, our community group, as we, we let them know, hey, we're not going to be here. Here's what's going on. And they said, when do you want us to start bringing food? I said, well, okay, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, I guess, you know, she's doing it on Thursday. How about Friday? They said, okay. So from Friday to Friday, you'll have food. And, and they did. They brought food. We, we had all kinds of, we probably ate better than we normally would. And we were spoiled. It was really neat. It was people in our current community group, the community group we're in last year, uh, other other people that in the church rallied to take care of us. That's part of what church does. That's not all of it, but that's a big part. Time together, life together. Uh, First thing I did, when, when something was going on with me, I, I sent out text to people in the church that would pray. Hey, guys, here's what's going on. Can you pray? And they did. That's doing life, right? I didn't have to get, well, I'm kind of embarrassed to say anything. I don't, don't bother yourself. No, that's what church is. They're not going to be hurt because you asked them to pray. They're going to be hurt because you didn't ask them to pray. We want to do that. We want to be there for you. How can we help? Number two, the church is a place to grow. Right? So we, we, we're in church and we encourage one another. And so that's why I have hope. But I also have hope because in church together, I can grow. Imagine going to third grade 
and not learning anything. You're eight years old. From August to May, you didn't learn a thing. Now, that seems silly, doesn't it? You're like, a, come on, an eight-year-old. They like a sponge absorbing things, learning things like crazy. And realize that that's also supposed to be true of every one of us all the time. We are supposed to be growing in our faith to to learn about God, to to uh, be closer to Christ's likeness next year than we are today. Peter, uh, talking about that, First Peter two one through three, he says, "So put away all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk, that you may grow." In, up in salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. He says, he says, look, you need to make a change as you grow, right? That there's some things that were a part of your life before you're a Christian. And then as a, a new believer, a younger believer, those things that were a part of your life, those things need to change, right? That's what it means to grow and mature in the faith. He says, put those things away. And they're things you know you ought to put away. They shouldn't still be a part of your life. He says uh, that it's the, the, the good things are the things you should desire like an infant longing for milk. But realize that this progression of faith, this growing and maturing, he says it's, it's kind of like the reason the Apostle Paul taught that then we need to grow past milk and desire solid food. The church in Corinth, they weren't ready for solid food. He goes, I had to keep you on milk. You guys got to grow up. And so that's part of what goes on in church. We should grow in our faith. That's why uh, Peter signed off in his uh, letter to the churches by saying, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Right? That's, that's the last thing I'm going to say to you is to that you should grow in the knowledge and grace of Jesus. Right? So you should be growing in your faith. Number three, church is a place to pray, worship, and proclaim Jesus together. It's not an accident that churches meet together, right? We were encouraged by the writer of Hebrews to continue to meet together. Don't be like some that have stopped. It says, we got to be meeting together.
good enough job in the last couple of decades to proclaim the the goodness, how excellent, how wonderful God is. Instead, we got shy and said, well, we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to hurt anybody. We don't want to fight. So if we talk about God, we're going to offend somebody. Let's just not do that. And we've stopped proclaiming the excellencies of God. Number four, the church is a place to use our gifts. Right? It's a place that that we're to utilize the spiritual gifting that you have been given. Well, church is not a spectator sport. It doesn't happen to you. Church is something you do. It is active. There's a reason in the Bible that the church is described using different analogies, right? It's called a family, an army. Christians, they're children of God, maybe a soldier or an athlete running a race to win. These aren't passive. You can't be a part of a family and just be passive. You can't in my house. You're going to be passive. I'm going to put you to work, right? The same thing would be true in an army. A soldier can't, well, I'm just here watching. That sounds like a court-martial, doesn't it? No, I'm in the race. Are you here to win? Well, I'm just in the race. Are you going to run? Well, no, not really. I'm just going to try and get there someday. No, you're not in a race then. No, it's, it's not a spectator sport. Being in church is not a place just to sit and watch. Now, now here's the downside. It kind of looks like that right now, doesn't it? And yet, when you contemplate everything the church does, it's not by any means. Because long before I got here, and long before most of you got here, there was tons going on, Right? And I don't just mean the setup and uh, preparing lessons and all of that, although all of those things had to happen. And, and then during the week, all the things that went on in preparation, not just for today, but for everything that the church does. And there are so many more things that the church can do that we've yet to do until you step up and utilize the gifting you have. For the kingdom. Ephesians 4.11, and he gave some to be apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So, so you have these different offices, these different uh, positions. And the whole point of it was to equip, it says the saints. Anytime you hear the word saint, uh, you got to go back to the scriptural definition. The scriptural definition of saints are believers, church members, Christians. It says, so the point here is that 
is that every position in the church is for one purpose. It's to train and equip every believer to build up the body of Christ, to share the good news of the gospel, to proclaim that God is good. And then number five, the church is a place to receive guidance, inspiration, and accountability. You guys know this. The inspiration goes back to the encouragement we've already talked about. The guidance would be, here's what's going on. What do you think? Here's the situation. What do you recommend? The hard one is accountability. The accountability is is the part we think, well, I don't really want to be held accountable. Well, I will tell you this. Uh, I teach college students now, but I used to teach middle school and high school. And the thing that I found is that as much as the students would like no accountability, as soon as they experience a lack of accountability, they will let you know they want it. My very first year teaching high school, the teacher in the room next to me believed in no accountability, as in no expectations, uh, no demands on their behavior. In fact, I know we're supposed to be learning math, but I don't really care about that either. I have no idea what was going on there, but I know at least on two occasions, I broke up fights in his room during his class. And what I found is that his students would come to me and ask for help. They wanted help with their math that they weren't even being expected to learn by their teacher because they wanted accountability. Uh, You may not realize it until you get it, how essential it is to be held accountable to something worthwhile. That first part of Matthew 18, Jesus says, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything, it will be done for them by my father in heaven for where two or three are gathered in my name. I am among them. The reason that we gather together is that we're better off together seeing where we ought to go, seeing what we ought to do. It makes more sense when, when challenges come up to say, you know what? I talked to my brothers and sisters. We've got a plan. Here's what we're going to do. Then instead, well, I kind of think this is what I'm going to do. Right? We support one another. And then in Hebrews 13, 17, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls. As those who will have to give an account, let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. That means that in your community group, the community group leaders, know that they have a burden for you. They're spending time in prayer 
they're, they're, they're trying to help guide you, your, your board members, your ministry leaders of various kinds. Know that I do believe there will be a time when I will give an account for those I have been responsible for. And so I do have some next steps for you today. Uh, probably they'll sound obvious. The first one, my next step today is to commit to deepen my participation at Church in the Valley. All right, if you're not engaged in a community group, it's something you need to do. Maybe you're like, well, I've just been attending and I haven't yet decided, but, but I really need to get baptized. I really need to, you know, look into membership. I need to see how I can help, how I can participate. And then this one is really specific. Uh, I'm going to invite at least one person to join CIV at our Easter activities. All right, you got a week for that one. It doesn't have to end next week, right? I'll invite them for Easter, but the following week, no. In fact, my, my belief is that if everyone says, you know what, I'm going to invite one person this week, imagine what next Sunday would look like. Now I have hope because I think that's what next Sunday will look like. Because you guys are like, I've got people, right? I've got a roommate, I've got a neighbor, I've got a coworker, I've got a family member, I've got some friends. They're, they're not at church right now, but wouldn't it be great if they were? What an incredible joy it is to have friends and people you care about join in the community and be a part. It is worthwhile. So I'll encourage you, pray about it, but then do it. Let people know, hey, what are you doing? It's Easter, right? What better thing can you do on Easter but go to church? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we are truly grateful that you have given us a church that's such a source of inspiration. You've given us brothers and sisters in Christ that join in with us as we worship and learn and celebrate that we have a place where we can participate in the ministry and grow in our faith and utilize the gifts you have given us. And Father, I, I want to pray really specific. Father, that, that, that right now I know that each one of us have people in our heads that come to mind that we need to personally invite to let them know, hey, next week is Easter, this Sunday is Easter. What better way to celebrate Easter than to go to church? And so, Lord, even as we're thinking about that, we're praying for them that, that you will soften their hearts, that the obstacles that they're going to think of, why they can't come, those will all be removed. And then their willingness to be here, to be a part, to celebrate, to hear the good news, and, uh, and to enjoy the resurrection with us. Father, I pray. Pray for that day. Pray for that uh, next Sunday. What a great celebration it will be. 
look for how you're going to change lives because of it. Father, I thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray.